Why has Triple H been so successful? Why is Triple H running WWE better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard on Monday and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 462 right here from the OTS venue. It is January 31st, 2023. I'm your host, JD, from New York. As always, you guys know it from the OTS venue. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Tuesday evenings, wherever you may be, man. We got a lot to get into today. And normally, I want to try and set up a regular stream on Thursday from this point forward, but I had to shift it to tonight because Thursday I will be on Long Island and I will be celebrating my birthday a little bit early. Birthday is actually on Monday this year, next Monday. Going to see my favorite band, man. Going to see Alter Bridge, got a VIP experience, going to be meeting Mark Tremonti, going to be meeting Miles Kennedy, going to be meeting the rest of the bands, photo op, and a private sound check with all the VIP ticket holders. It's going to be fucking awesome, man. I can't wait. This will be my ninth time going to see the band live and every time they do come to New York City, without question, tickets are bought immediately. And if anything knows anything about me, if anybody knows anything about me, uh, you know how important that band is to me and what's their song Blackbird means to me because it was dedicated to the passing of my grandfather back in 2014, which the anniversary of his death is actually coming up on February 3rd as well, just a couple of days away. So that is what's going on there, and that's the reason for the live stream today. But I'm sure you guys didn't care about that. I'm sure you're just happy to see me live, but we got a lot to get into, man. We're going to talk about The Rock. We're going to talk about The Rock not wanting Roman this year at WrestleMania. I don't know when he wants him. But the longer he waits, the less we care. Stone Cold Steve Austin as well. Turned down not one, not two, but three different matches for WrestleMania. Potentially, he will not be at WrestleMania in a wrestling capacity. Cody Rhodes, we got news on when he was officially cleared for the Royal Rumble. Backstage news and updates coming out of the Royal Rumble. WWE's internal feeling to what was the biggest and largest grossing Royal Rumble in company history. Why Rey Mysterio didn't join the Royal Rumble field of 30? What happened there? Roxanne Perez, what happened there? Why was she eliminated so quickly? We got news on the Elimination Chamber and what what happened coming out of Monday Night Raw. WrestleMania plans. And a ridiculous Charlotte Flair story that, you know, when isn't Charlotte Flair a ridiculous story? We got a lot to go over, so thank you guys very much for joining me. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. 
365 likes. Let's try for 1,000 likes tonight on Off The Script. And go check out all the other videos on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage, including that tremendous Royal Rumble post-show and then last night's Royal Rumble Fallout show on Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw live stream live on the homepage as well. Go check that out if you missed any of the content previously from the podcast. Let's get into what we uh, have going on here, man. We got a lot to get into, and we're going to start right at the top with WWE's success coming out of the Royal Rumble. Now, I know the Royal Rumble was a very divisive pay-per-view or premium live event. Uh, I, I honestly thought both Royal Rumble matches were poorly booked. They got the right outcomes. Cody Rhodes is the right outcome. Rhea Ripley is the right outcome. And I just thought the matches were fucking boring. There was really no structure. I feel like they just rushed through everything. And, and, and this was a major complaint on the podcast. This was a major complaint on Saturday night when we were live. Seemingly looked like that WWE threw out everybody in 90-second intervals. And it was ring entrance in there for 90 seconds, get eliminated, out comes the next guy. It was legitimately like a, 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 a manufacturing line. It was like a conveyor belt of wrestlers, just in, out, in, out, in, out. Nobody really had any substance in the Royal Rumble. There was no struggle in the Royal Rumble, no struggle to stay alive, no struggle to not get eliminated. Now, they did play off several current stories that are going on on WWE TV, both on Raw and SmackDown in the Royal Rumble, but I just felt like everything was just, rushed in some way, shape, or form. Some of you may not agree with that, but that's the way I see it. I'm very picky with the Royal Rumble. Was it better than last year? Absolutely. I think last year's Royal Rumble was one of the worst ever. One of the most boring Royal Rumbles of all time. But I do think that WWE got the winners right, but the matches themselves, the structure of the Royal Rumble matches, have not come anywhere close to where they need to be. And it was all about the bloodline anyway. At the end of the Royal Rumble, when the show was over, people were not talking about Cody Rhodes. People were not talking about Rhea Ripley. People were talking about Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn making a decision all by himself to side with Kevin Owens and side with what he felt was right. And he smashed Roman Reigns in the back with a chair and Jay Uso walked out not wanting to see Sami Zayn make that decision because he genuinely cares about Sami Zayn. While the rest of the bloodline completely tore Sami Zayn to shreds at the end of the Rumble. That's what people were talking about. They were talking about long-term booking. And one of the greatest storylines in WWE history and probably the greatest Royal Rumble ending of all time. They broke the all-time gate and viewership record for the Royal Rumble. This comes from WWE officially, so you know it's going to be worded in such a way that is nauseating. The event set an all-time gate record at more than 7.7 million, far surpassing previous Royal Rumble highs in 2017 by more than 50%. Viewership of the event saw a 52% increase versus the previous record set in 2022. In addition, the 2023 Royal Rumble broke all-time venue, merchandise, and sponsorship records Merchandise sales were up 135% versus the record set in 2022. 
Royal Rumble sponsorship revenue was also up nearly 200% versus 2022. It featured the first ever sponsored match, which was awful. This was absolutely terrible. The Mountain Dew pitch black match and sponsored countdown clock by Applebee's. I don't know if I'd be touting the, tout, touting the Mountain Dew pitch black match. That was one of the worst Bray Wyatt creations. One of the worst Bray Wyatt adaptations so far in his WWE career. Matches like that will do Bray Wyatt no favors. In fact, I actually felt bad for L.A. Knight. Because he had to deal with that fucking silly, childish, outlandish bullshit that WWE poor L.A. Knight had to put him through. Everything was going great up until that point. Everything with Bray Wyatt was going great up until that point. And then they made a mockery out of it. I don't know if I was watching a fucking Nickelodeon special of Double Dare or if I was kind of in the mood to go to a fucking rave with neon lights and fucking nice women dancing about and cold beverage. I, I don't know. Spray Wyatt, one of them rave fanatics. I, I, I don't know. Awful. Absolutely awful. Instead of being what it needed to be, it looked like a scene out of fucking uh, a Miami strip club. No. On social, the Roman Reigns Sami Zayn video generated 20 million plus views across all WWE platforms and became the most viewed WWE clip of 2023 up until this point. Additional highlights include Logan Paul and Ricochet's high-flying collision in the Royal Rumble, which has amassed 26.5 million views across WWE and Logan Paul's platforms, and the launch of Reigns' TikTok account, which netted 100,000 followers in the first 24 hours. Listen, man, it's okay to be throwing numbers around and bragging about numbers. We all do it. And the Royal Rumble is going to fall in line with everything else that has happened so far and will continue to happen with WWE. They are, right now, as far as interest is concerned, at a very, very nice spot. Much more so than when Vince McMahon was there. Things just feel... It feels different. And I don't really know how to pinpoint it when it comes to WWE. Yes, we all approve of Triple H more so than Vince McMahon. Yes, we would rather see Triple H book the shows than Vince McMahon. There's just a certain coolness to WWE nowadays. There's a cer certain want to want to watch WWE more so now than it was with Vince McMahon. You just felt... Like Vince was out of touch. You knew Vince was out of touch. You knew Bruce Prichard and Kevin Dunn and all his loyal cocksuckers were all out of touch. And here we got Triple H doing and conducting these post-show media scrums. And everything just comes off so professional. And he's willing to answer any questions that you may have. Unlike Ryan Satin who asked softball questions. And he left much smiling like a fucking geek during the post-show scrum like he was fucking paid to ask a softball question. Not really surprising coming from that fucking emo fuck, Ryan Satin, but I digress. We got a lot of things happening right now. And I honestly don't think, if Triple H is there, I don't think that we'd be getting this bloodline storyline. Just imagine, just imagine if Triple H wasn't in charge. Sami Zayn said it himself. If Triple H wasn't in charge, I'm not sure I'd be sharing a TV screen with Roman Reigns. If that's the case, who do you go back and attribute that to? Vince McMahon. 
And if that is legitimately the feeling, and I believe that 100%, then what we saw on Saturday night at the end of the Royal Rumble doesn't happen when Vince McMahon's in charge, or if Vince McMahon was in charge. I'd love to know how deep Triple H is in the creative process with this Roman and Bloodline story with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. How much say does Triple H have? How much influence does Triple H have on this? Or is this mostly the brainchild of Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Paul Heyman, and Roman Reigns? Is there anybody else kind of adding their own little their own little ideas to it? At the end of it all, what I'm trying to get at is the, the interest in WWE, yes, this is fueling a lot, and without this, I mean, there really isn't much of anything else. The shows feel different. The shows have more talent now than they did then. More people to find, you know, on TV and get excited about potentially. The creative is better. Not the greatest, but it's better. Anything was better than what Vince McMahon or Bruce Pritchard was doing. But long-term booking. People are excited. People are excited about watching dramatic television. Because this is what we all want. We want a reason to come back and watch the show. We want a reason to care about these characters. We want a reason to be excited for a Monday Night Raw and a Friday Night SmackDown. We got Cody Rhodes back. We got WrestleMania coming together slowly but surely. We got SmackDown to look forward to. What is Jay Uso's feeling at all this? Why did he walk away? So many questions. This is great shit. So when you see WWE breaking all-time attendance records here, Sellouts here, interest is up, social media records broken with numbers, and live gates grossing this with ticket sales and merchandise. I don't want to put everything on the fucking plate of Triple H. I don't want to give him his fucking throne and his crown to go along with it, but... I mean, was this happening with Vince McMahon in charge? No. I feel like it was the opposite. I think people were actually running away from the product. Were people showing up for the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania? Yeah, sure. I mean, these are marquee events that WWE has longstanding tenure with. But, I mean, they're shattering records in 2023 compared to what they did last year when Vince was there, the year before that when Vince was there, the year before that, the year before that, the year before that when Vince was there. So which is it? It's Triple H. Triple H has a lot to do with what's going on. Triple H is... He's there. It's a lot to do with him spearheading the interest of the product upwards. It's a beautiful thing to see. This is exactly what we all wanted. Nobody here wants one company to be better off than the other. Nobody here wants one company leading the charge and the other is dead. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan. We got WWE thriving and the interest is at an all-time high right now, especially in the last 10 years, I would say. Then we got AEW. They've been putting on some of the best shows that they've done ever. We're going into a a revolution pay-per-view that is going to be a certified fucking banger. Right now, we're eating good. We're living good in the pro wrestling space. And I'm loving it. This is exactly what I had hoped for when Vince McMahon went away. Things getting better, records broken, creative changing, us happier. I love it. One of the big stories coming out of the Royal Rumble was Cody Rhodes. We're going to get into Cody Rhodes 
And when he revealed when he was fully cleared for a return to the ring following his Royal Rumble victory, but I got a ton of Royal Rumble notes. This is coming from Fightful. On top of the 7.7 million WWE, we're very happy with the Royal Rumble. Sent out those press releases. Couldn't let, you know, couldn't wait to let everybody know about what was going on with the Royal Rumble, all the records that they broke. Peacock. They had over 2 million viewers watching the Royal Rumble on Peacock. That is the most watched Royal Rumble of all time. So more numbers for WWE to tout. The company pushed hard to implement more sponsors for the show, which was evident on the broadcast. Triple H noted to media that they doubled their previous high for sponsorship dollars for the Royal Rumble. Fightful was told to expect this to continue moving on into the 2023 year. This was one of the worst parts of the entire show. Hardy, not Matt Hardy, no. Not Jeff Hardy, not any Hardy that we actually care about. Hardy and the performance that he put on right before the main event was largely scoffed at by those that Fightful spoke to in the company and felt like it compromised the Royal Rumble. I don't know who's choosing the fucking musical artists over there in Stanford, Connecticut, but Jesus fucking Christ, they need better taste in music. What is with these lame musical artists that they get for these main roster shows? Remember when Slipknot was the fucking theme song for NXT? And they had Corey Taylor fucking avidly a fan of NXT. Where's Corey Taylor now? Does he even watch WWE? Does he even know how to spell NXT anymore? WWE used to run those heavy metal festivals alongside NXT. Or the heavy metal festivals used to run with NXT and they, the WWE used to run alongside those heavy metal festivals in the Midwest. Slipknot was definitely a part of that. What happened to that? That shit was fucking cool. I don't know what the fuck they're doing now. But that Hardy performance was fucking awful. Music sucks. He can't sing worth a shit. Who picks this shit? When I listen to music, I don't listen to Hardy, and I don't attribute that music to WWE or pro wrestling in general. Why don't we get some music with some fucking balls on these shows? Everything's just fucking mainstream shit to manipulate you thinking that it's fucking good music. Half of this shit is fucking garbage. That shit was an embarrassment. And could have been left off the fucking show. We could have been on the air 15 minutes earlier if that shit didn't go on. Pat McAfee. Great to see Pat McAfee back. It was very endearing to see Michael Cole kind of mark out like a little schoolboy when his best friend Pat McAfee showed up. He didn't know. It was all kayfabe. Pat McAfee was originally pitched for a Royal Rumble spot, which we all thought that was going to be the case, as he confirmed Fightful's report. Michael Cole and Corey Graves both did not know that he was coming out, and Fightful was told that a private jet brought McAfee in the day of the show, and WWE are hopeful that they can have him wrestle again this year. I said this last year. I'm going to say it again. I would not be surprised if Pat McAfee is in the ring and Corey Graves is his opponent this year at some point. They played it off as if they didn't really like each other and Corey Graves wasn't really happy to see him. WWE, before the War Games pay-per-view was announced, I thought they were going to go with the Raw vs. SmackDown theme. I said, I could see Corey Graves because he was cleared for an in-ring spot of some sort 
He was training last year. He got clearance to wrestle again if he wanted to. I felt like if WWE was going to do the Raw vs. SmackDown deal, I, I felt like it could have bled into the commentary team. Corey Graves versus Pat McAfee, who's on SmackDown. Corey Graves is on Raw. Now, I could be wrong on that, but stranger things have happened. But you know for a fact Pat, Ma- Pat McAfee is going to be in a WWE ring again doing something this year, whether it's at WrestleMania or it's at SummerSlam. Should be interesting to see. Chelsea Green. She made her WWE debut at the Royal Rumble. Fucking awful was her debut. In and out, literally, seconds. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, well, she's uh, using that to develop her uh, Karen character. First impressions are everything. And the first impression of Chelsea Green that I got was that she was a fucking loser. In and out. I don't give a shit what you're doing as far as character development. You don't have somebody just join the company after her first stint was a fucking failure to show back up and literally pick up the pieces from where she left off. She was not hidden and was at the venue all day long. And she brought several different kinds of gear to the show just in case they needed her for a specific role. Sounds like she's happy to be back. Good. She should add a lot of depth to whatever division she ends up on, whether it's Raw right now or she gets drafted to SmackDown later in the year. Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, they were not in town for the show. They were not scheduled for the Royal Rumble, for those asking. And they were never planned for the show because of AJ Styles' injury. So basically, the OC, the club, is dead, is what I'm gathering here. The club pretty much is dead with AJ Styles being out with injury and no... Body knows when AJ Styles will be due back. Cody Rhodes claimed that he wasn't officially cleared until the day of the Royal Rumble. I don't really believe that story at all. Those close to him had told Fightful that he wasn't cleared as of last month when he went to the WWE Performance Center. So you mean to tell me WWE's very strict and professional doctors cleared Cody Rhodes, and WWE took a gamble on promoting Cody Rhodes weeks in advance for the Royal Rumble? It makes it all more the reason why they should have just let it be. One of the things that ruined Cody Rhodes' return at the Royal Rumble and kind of tarnished, he was the right winner, don't get me wrong, but the win for Cody Rhodes was tarnished because one of the major proponents there was that he was announced beforehand And then he was given the number 30 spot on top of that. If WWE didn't announce Cody Rhodes for the Royal Rumble and then they wanted him to show up at number 30, it would have been a great surprise. So for for the fact of this story, WWE took a huge gamble on Cody Rhodes being at the Royal Rumble, not really knowing if he was going to make it or not. Do I believe WWE is that haphazard with their talent? No, I don't. Or is WWE putting out this story for dramatic effect to tell the overall Cody Rhodes story as we head to WrestleMania? More than likely. More than likely. I don't believe that story at all. And that's what's being reported as far as Cody Rhodes. He was interviewed by Ariel Helwani. He discussed his recovery. He says this with Helwani. I went to the Performance Center. I remember I made a joke in AEW about hip toss class. I did hip toss class. Thank God for it. Actually, because I worked with, 
I won't say one guy's name because I don't want to blow his spot up, but I worked with Carmelo Hayes. Joe Gacy was the other guy. I don't know why I'm not crediting him. They were rough with me. They were rugged. It let me feel like I needed to feel to get to where I needed to get. I can't wait for their opportunities to come because they are incredible wrestlers and incredible stars. That experience, I partially got cleared through that. I was able to do what I want. My wind was good. I was training heavily with PT, physical therapy, and an off-site team that got my wife for me, or that my wife got for me. I didn't really get fully cleared until the Royal Rumble day. Looked good and everything was great, but they still had to get in there, grab it, feel on it. It's a wild situation, but when you've been announced for the Royal Rumble, you've seen your shirts and seen the young fans, I think it was more of a formality than anything. But it still kind of had me shaking. WWE has been very good to me medically. Very good. I'll be in PT for the rest of my life, though. I've been there every week, and now I just do preventive stuff. It changed everything about how I've trained. I mean, you could take that uh, and take it for what it is. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why Cody Rhodes would lie. But Cody Rhodes has been known to be a very dramatic and very vivid storyteller. So he could basically go out there and create and web and weave whatever narrative he wants. But I just don't see WWE clearing him the day of while already announcing him for the Royal Rumble two weeks before that. Three weeks before that. Why would you do that? If that was going to be the case, I don't even know why you announced him at all. It would have actually came off better if you did not announce him for the Royal Rumble. And then he came out at number 30. I did not like the way that they booked Cody Rhodes in that Royal Rumble, though he was the right winner. There was nobody else in that match that made sense but Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes wrestled on Monday Night Raw in a very physical match with Finn Balor. Cody Rhodes wrestled 10 minutes in the final moments of the Royal Rumble with one of the most brutal men in the entire company, Walter Gunther. And people telling me, oh, he came out at number 30 because they wanted to prevent him from getting injured. But you threw him right into the fucking fire with Gunther. You made him wrestle right away on Monday Night Raw against Finn Balor, who's no walk in the park either as far as what he can do in that ring. So you mean to tell me that it was difficult, a difficult decision for Cody Rhodes to be placed in the middle of the pack at number 15 to show some internal struggle for the Royal Rumble to fight from behind? Would have looked a lot better for Gunther at the end if Cody came out at number 15 and he lasted at least 30 minutes or so in the Royal Rumble for them to eventually face off at the end. You know, there's two things that I want you guys to understand. There's doing it right with Cody, and then doing it process step by step by step the right way. They got it right, but they also got it wrong at the end of the night because Cody Rhodes should not have come out at number 30. Cody Rhodes should have at least been in the middle of the pack. If they didn't want to do number one, I understand it. Number one would have been the absolute perfect role for Cody Rhodes. He's the first person you see. That's the first theme you hear go off the air for the Royal Rumble, to start the Royal Rumble. But at least throw him in the middle of the pack there, bro. And then you got Gunther. You got Cody Rhodes coming out at number 30. He lasts five minutes until he steps face-to-face with Gunther for another 10. He's in there, right? And then you watch Gunther go through 72 fucking minutes in the Royal Rumble. And then you see Cody Rhodes come out at number 30. What type of impression is that to the viewer? 
Do you want to see Cody win the Royal Rumble by basically being given number 30 and lasting in there for five minutes? What do you want to see it go to the guy who went 72 fucking minutes? Who do you think from the average viewer watching deserves it more? Cody or Gunther? They fucked it up. They got the outcome right. The winner was right. The way we got there was wrong. And nobody's going to tell me different. You can believe Cody Rhodes or not believe Cody Rhodes. I don't really believe that he was clear day of. They knew he was going to be there. Don't know why they're going to make a big deal about it. And I don't see WWE clearing him, you know, day of. And then announcing him on TV three weeks ago. That's a huge fucking gamble. What if he's not ready? Then what do you do? You advertise this guy and then, oh, he can't make it. Not a good look. WWE with this administration is going to be that reckless? Hard to believe, man. Moving on with the rest of the notes. The NIL recruits had a big week with WWE. Several were at the Special Olympics event. A fireside chat and dinner as well as the Royal Rumble itself. Fightful spoke to some within WWE that specifically spoke highly about Abby Jacobs. Whoever the fuck that is, I don't know. One source says they believe she would transition to wrestling well if she does go that route. Fightful was told that the Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, Bloodline, and Sami Zayn storyline was a curtain sellout for many. And wrestlers and staff were crowded around the monitors in silence watching the angle play out. That's when you know it's fucking special. When you got the fucking men and women of the locker room watching intently, silently, what's going on in that ring? So they watched the angle play out around the monitors in Gorilla. One source called the Royal Rumble backstage experience very laid back and noted that the children and many of the wrestlers were backstage having fun. Wow, it's great not having the deviant Vince McMahon tell you you can't do this, you can't do that, and to watch where you walk and walk on eggshells. It's great. Change. The pay-per-view went a little over time. It was scheduled for four hours. It ended up going about 12 minutes past that. Ronda Rousey was not expected for this show at some point because she lost the Women's Championship to Charlotte Flair in December. And there was no realistic situation for Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock to have an in-ring face-off at the Royal Rumble, as some had inaccurately speculated, says Sap. Austin had been pitched for several other things over the recent months, and talks with The Rock hadn't went anywhere. So that was the backstage news and notes coming out of the Royal Rumble. You know, I actually looking back at it, I'm glad that we didn't get Stone Cold. I'm glad we didn't get The Rock at the Royal Rumble. Do you want to know why? Because I I don't like this nostalgia that we get every year. Everybody's everybody's so preconditioned for the nostalgia. We need Austin, we need Cena, we need The Rock. We didn't need any of that. We didn't need any of that. Did, did I want a couple of surprises in the men's rumble? Sure, because that's what the Royal Rumble's all about. But what did they do? They went into the Royal Rumble where they planned and they delivered with their own talent. And look at how well it came off. Look at how well that closing angle went off the air. As soon as the men's Royal Rumble went on first, you knew for a fact that something was going to happen in that main event and when you found that Reigns and Owens were in the main event, you, you had a feeling that we were going to get something. Whether it was going to be a major angle at the end of the show that involved Sami Zayn, people were talking about The Rock's mother being there. She was in attendance. Michael Cole making Rock move references on commentary. 
Is The Rock showing up? With that match going on less, something had to be going on. You don't really see WWE start the Royal Rumble off with a men's Royal Rumble. Normally, it goes on towards the end of the show. That's a big fucking deal. That's the main event of WrestleMania on the line. But the Royal Rumble was a thumbs-up show. At the end of it all, it was a thumbs-up show. And it's all because of that Bloodline segment. Without that Bloodline segment, if we didn't get that closing angle at the end of the show, it's a thumbs-down show. Pitch Black match sucked. Alexa versus Bianca was terrible. The men's Royal Rumble was very boring. And the ladies' Royal Rumble, though slightly better than the men's because they had more surprises, and Asuka had a new character change, and Piper Niven is back, and Chelsea Green made her debut. A couple other things happened in there. Very boring Royal Rumbles. Moving on. Backstage praise comes from WrestleVotes. WrestleVotes took to Twitter this week saying that WWE was happy with the Royal Rumble events overall. Naming the stars who impressed WWE the most, WrestleVotes says this. X some of the WWE for thoughts after last night. Source said they were happy with how both Rumble matches turned out. Gunther's performance in particular, along with Logan Paul and Ricochet's spot, went better than ever imagined. Bloodline Angle stole the show as expected, exactly why it was on last. Gunther notably started the Royal Rumble at entry number one and was the final man eliminated by Cody Rhodes. He broke the record for the longest time in a traditional men's Royal Rumble match, lasting 72 minutes in this year's Royal Rumble. Logan Paul and Ricochet were responsible for what many have argued is the clip of the Royal Rumble itself with social media, you know, buzzing over it. Logan Paul and Ricochet collided with springboard clotheslines in the closing moments of that Royal Rumble. Sami Zayn obviously turned on the bloodline, striking Roman Reigns with a steel chair, and the faction basically ripped him to shreds at the end of the show, leaving everybody in a very emotional state to close the Royal Rumble. So everybody was happy with the Royal Rumble. WWE was very pleased with the Royal Rumble. They should be. I mean, could it have been better? Sure. But is WWE really focused on that? No. Everybody was somewhat content coming out of the Royal Rumble, and they made it the biggest Royal Rumble of all time, not only in ticket sales, but the most viewed Royal Rumble of all time. That's what WWE is going for. Roxanne Perez, she was in the Women's Royal Rumble. Why was her time so short in the Royal Rumble? I asked this on Saturday night when I was live for the Royal Rumble OTS post show. Now we got an answer. Roxanne Perez Royal Rumble's time was cut short because WWE did not want her to get hurt before her NXT Women's Championship match at Vengeance Day. So why was she in there? We could have chosen anybody else to be in there, but you had to choose Roxanne Perez. You could have given that spot a much longer spot to somebody like a Tiffany Stratton. Don't know why we didn't go that route, but WWE is very high on Roxanne Perez. But if you don't want to get her hurt and she's got a title match coming up, and that's the reason why you had her go in there and get eliminated pretty quickly in less than five minutes. Don't know why you didn't give that spot to somebody else that could have been in there double, triple as uh, as much as Roxanne Perez. Seems like WWE did a lot of shit on Saturday night that looked counterproductive. This being one of them. Brian Alvarez discussed WWE's decision to have Roxanne Perez for less than five minutes in the Royal Rumble. 
Alvarez's opinion on the matter is that she should have stayed in the ring longer because she's the NXT Women's Champion. Yes. Everybody says she's the future of the company. Give her 20 minutes. Get people invested in what she's doing. Have her have a couple of eliminations. Have her on the brink of elimination and survive and eliminate a notable name. Nothing. However, WWE apparently had their reasons to keep her time short. The explanation was, well, she had a match on Tuesday. Alvarez said on the Wrestling Observer Live, we wanted to make sure she didn't get hurt. It's a lame fucking excuse. Alvarez, WWE source, may have misspoken when they said Tuesday. Vengeance Day is on Saturday, not Tuesday. Roxanne Perez is not scheduled for tonight's NXT. The source was likely referring to her title match happening this Saturday at Vengeance Day. This Saturday, she will defend the Women's Championship against Gigi Dolan and JC Jane of Toxic Attraction in a triple threat match. Roxanne's been given a ton of praise by fans and the company, and the feeling is that she will become the next big star in the women's division on the main roster. So hopefully, there will be plenty of Royal Rumble moments for Miss Roxanne Perez over the years. But again, counterproductive. If you're worried about something else, why are you putting this on her plate? Should have went to somebody else. Should have went to a Tiffany Stratton. If Nikita Lyons wasn't injured, should have went to Nikita Lyons. Zoe Stark was in the Royal Rumble. She didn't last. Indy Hartwell was in the Royal Rumble. She didn't last. Could have given it to Tatum Paxley or, or one of those other women down on the Tuesday night show that's been on to Ivy Nile, one of them. But you didn't want to injure Roxanne Perez, and it came off looking stupid. Triple H. He did talk about the Rock status for WrestleMania 39. This was at the post-show media scrum after the Royal Rumble was over. He was asked about the Rock status for WrestleMania 39. He opened up about the relationship between WWE and Dwayne Johnson. He also poked fun at previous reports that The Rock will miss WrestleMania 39 because he doesn't have time to train for an in-ring return. Triple H said this. Apparently, he can't get in shape in time. That's what's all you tell me. And then he laughs. He looked pretty jacked, I thought. I saw Black Adam the other day, and I didn't think it was the uniform. He's incredibly busy. I can say this as a guy that grew up as two young kids fighting each other for this spot and having battles over it in the best way possible, pushing each other. We all were in that time. I know for him, I was at a large Emmy event a few years ago and there was a poster of him. I think he was about to drop the people's, people's elbow on me. He was standing over me in this photo and it's a hyper-focused, incredibly detailed picture. As I'm looking at the picture, I realized he had goosebumps all over him standing over me. I took a picture of it and sent it to him. I said, you don't get this in Hollywood, do you? Meaning the rush that you get from pro wrestling. It's a rush, but after the 12th time you've done that take, probably not as as exciting as the first couple. There's nothing like this, nothing. I know for him, I know for his family and background, there is a part of him that if he could be here for this WrestleMania in Hollywood, He would turn over every stone and walk through fire to be able to do it if he could. I just don't think it's on the cards. Then again, I don't know. We always have conversations with him because he loves it so much and we'd love for him to be a part of it. He's the biggest star in Hollywood and maybe the most recognizable person on the planet. 
Why wouldn't we want him to be a part of it? This is his home. It's an open invitation. We don't lock the door. He has an open invitation to walk through it anytime he wants, but he's incredibly busy. I think that focus, respect, both factor into, you know, his ways. He wouldn't want to do it unless he could absolutely do it. There's no way he would show up here and half-ass it. There's no way he would show up here and not come in and want to put out every single thing he had into it to make it the best it could possibly be. Unless he could do that, it won't happen. He knows the door is always open, and when he has the time and availability, uh, availability to do it, he can come in and electrify everyone. Then we got this news report today that The Rock doesn't want to do WrestleMania this year and has left the door open for WrestleMania next year. So this whole Rock thing is like all over the place. We, we got... We got Rock and the rumors of him wrestling Roman in the main event of WrestleMania. It's the Tribal Chief storyline, the head of the table storyline. It all revolves around The Rock. We thought The Rock was going to show up at the Royal Rumble. We got excuses of, oh, he's not going to be in the Royal Rumble. We got news before that that The Rock was going to win the Royal Rumble. Then he was going to be at the Royal Rumble. Then it was, oh, I'm not going to be showing up because I don't feel like I'm in ring shape to do it. And then we got Triple H saying, yeah, it's not in the cards and Rock teasing us and all this other nonsense. I'm over all of the Rock speculation. I I really am. I I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm all over the Rock speculation. Meltzer noted that the Rock has left the door open to do a match at WrestleMania 40 next year, not this year. WWE already confirmed that Reigns will defend the Universal title against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania 39. Meltzer says, the same goes for Dwayne, The Rock. Dwayne could be there in some way or, sh- or fashion. There are people going, oh, don't you think it's a swerve? They keep saying it's not a swerve. I've been told this for a while. There's always the maybe. It's a secret, like the Pat McAfee thing, right? Royal Rumble surprise, nobody knew. Only a few people know. We're past that point. Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. He's getting the championship match. It ain't Dwayne anymore. Dwayne's not wrestling anybody unless it's a three-second match. He did not feel that he had the time to get in the shape he needed to be to do a WrestleMania-caliber main event, and he left the door open for next year, says Dave Meltzer. Personally, I think that's a lame excuse because all we've been hearing is that, oh, yeah, The Rock didn't want to have it happen last year. He wanted to have it happen this year, and it's not like The Rock, you know, The Rock is a busy guy, yes, but I I don't think The Rock is at a point where he's not in-ring ready. How much time does he really need? Does he need all year to get ready for a WrestleMania-caliber main event match? Or does he need the time allotted for WrestleMania season between January and April? You mean to tell me The Rock doesn't have any time at all to fit into his schedule? Because the guy certainly doesn't sleep to get in the ring, start training for a match at WrestleMania this year with three months to go. I find that difficult to believe. Now, he said he didn't want to have it happen at 38. He certainly doesn't want to have it happen this year. Otherwise, he would have been there already. And now he wants to do it next year. I don't want to see it happen any year. What good is The Rock coming back at WrestleMania 40 if Roman has the highest possibility of losing the championship to Cody Rhodes this year at WrestleMania. 
This entire storyline ended with one man, and that is Dwayne Johnson. The tribal chief, head of the table, Roman Reigns, mafia boss, final boss in WWE. Storyline ends with Roman Reigns and Rock at WrestleMania. If The Rock is not going to be at WrestleMania and Roman loses the championships to Cody Rhodes, it kind of defeats the purpose of the storyline even taking place. I don't understand why we need to do it next year. Do they want to do it next year to give The Rock a victory over Roman? Will that be the way that they end the Tribal Chief storyline? With Rock going over Roman, it's easier to do it that way when Roman's not the champion? But why wouldn't you use Rock coming in to put over Roman? I don't understand that. None of this makes sense to me. The most perfect situation for WWE was this year. The most perfect situation for WWE was WrestleMania night one, Roman versus Rock. Roman beats The Rock. Rock retires. Roman goes into Sunday, wrestles Cody, loses to Cody. We end the Tribal Chief. That's what we wanted. That's what the storyline was. Roman beating Dwayne. Roman is the head of the table. Roman is the Tribal Chief. Now, if we do it next year, Roman's not going to feel, Roman's not going to look, Roman's not going to come off as the same as he is now. Because when Roman loses that championship to Cody Rhodes, Roman is going away for a very long time. We are going to see less and less and less of Roman on top of what we see of Roman now. I don't get it. I don't understand why we're not doing this this year. And come next year, wherever WrestleMania may be, are you going to be interested in The Rock versus Roman Reigns? Yeah, I'll be interested. But am I going to be as interested as I would be this year? No. And you got the setting right. You didn't want to do it in Dallas because you wanted to do it in Los Angeles. Rock is Mr. Hollywood. It's the biggest movie star in the world. Having it happen in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, a WrestleMania that WWE had pushed back because of COVID because they were hoping The Rock would be there and that they would be allotted more time to get this match happen. The setting is perfect and he still doesn't want to do it. So The Rock is going to want to do Roman in Philadelphia and The Rock is not going to want to do Roman in Hollywood. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Moving on with the rest of the news. Steve Austin. Apparently, Steve Austin has turned down a WWE offer to do a match at WrestleMania 39. Good. Good. I'm glad he's sticking to his guns. WWE pitched ideas reportedly for Stone Cold Steve Austin to have a match against Brock Lesnar. They have a match against Roman Reigns. I don't know where these rumors came from. They are utterly ridiculous. Both of those matches would have been fucking disasters. Roman Reigns and Steve Austin would not make any sense. And nobody wants to see Brock Lesnar versus Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2023 with Austin being 58 years old. Did you see the way Brock Lesnar dropped Sheamus on the back of his fucking head at 45 years old in the Royal Rumble? And Sheamus has spinal stenosis. Can you imagine Lesnar dropping Austin on his head at WrestleMania? It's not something that I want to see in 2023. And if you want to see that, get the fuck out of here. Ridiculous. 
WWE reportedly made Stone Cold a huge money offer for a match against Reigns. He said no. Well, speaking on the Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that Austin has turned down WWE's offer to work a match. As far as Austin goes, Steve might be at the show. I mean, I won't be surprised at all. He might do something on the show, but he did, in fact, turn down wrestling at the show. He was offered Brock Lesnar. He was offered Roman Reigns. He probably could have named his opponent if he wanted to do it with anybody else, but he chose not to wrestle on the show, end quote. Now, he does have a couple of months to change his mind. Or I should say, WWE has a couple of months to change Stone Cold's mind. Maybe they give him a better opponent. Maybe they pay him more money. I don't know. But Austin didn't want to wrestle for 17 years, 18 years, before the Kevin Owens match at WrestleMania. It wasn't even booked as a one-on-one match. It was booked as a KO show that turned into a match at the show last year on night one. Maybe Austin was so pleased with the way that that match turned out and was grateful that it turned out as good as it did that he didn't want to push his luck. He's one year older now this year. He's going to move a little slower than he did last year. Who knows how good of shape he's in this year compared to last year. I I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows what happened in between last year's WrestleMania and this year's WrestleMania. Who knows? But does WWE really need Stone Cold Steve Austin? I don't think they need Stone Cold Steve Austin. The fuck do they need Austin for? Look at what the look at the way WrestleMania is shaping up right now. They don't need they don't need Dwayne. They don't need Steve Austin. Look at the way WrestleMania is shaping up right now. We got Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns for the World Championship. Potentially, we're looking at Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul as a undercard match. We're looking at Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. We're looking at Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the Usos. We're looking at Austin Theory versus John Cena. We got Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. We're probably looking at Bianca Belair against any one of these women, potentially all three of them, Asuka, Becky, and Bayley. We got Sheamus potentially going after Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship, more than likely going to include Drew McIntyre. What the fuck do we need? Well, what do we need Stone Cold Steve Austin for WrestleMania? I just gave you half of a WrestleMania fucking card off the top of my head based on what's happening on television. I didn't even include Edge and Finn Balor in that. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. The fuck do we need Austin for? If he doesn't want to wrestle, he doesn't want to wrestle. Let him sit at home on the Broken Skull Ranch and have a nice cold one. If you want him to be there... Include him in the show, but not have him wrestle. I'm not going to miss him. He is WrestleMania. A huge part of WrestleMania is Stone Cold Steve Austin, but we don't need him on the show in a wrestling capacity. WWE has a lot of talent that they could make a fantastic WrestleMania out of, and you know what? It would make sense. Leave Austin alone. None of these matches made any sense whatsoever. And why are you going to throw huge money at Stone Cold to have something that may come off as a mistake and not as good as you expect it to be? If Austin was in the proper shape and he believed he could get another match or two out of himself, he would probably say yes. Because there's no doubt about it that Austin could have any pick of who he wants on the roster and come up with the fucking creative to go into it with. 
He doesn't want to do it. I think everybody should respect his fucking mindset on what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. Gunther, I mentioned Gunther. We have WrestleMania 39 potentially being the site for Sheamus to take down Gunther and become the Intercontinental Champion for the first time in his 15-year career. Can you imagine that? That would be awesome. I'd love to see that. But we have Sheamus and Drew McIntyre still operating under the Banger Bros moniker. They are together for a reason. Now, we could see Sheamus versus Gunther, but the more Drew McIntyre is hanging around with Sheamus, I feel like we may get a triple threat match out of it at WrestleMania. Now, if it's Sheamus and Gunther, some people may be questioning, well, what does Drew McIntyre do at WrestleMania? I know Drew McIntyre has kind of gotten the short end of the stick as of late. He hasn't really been in anything big. He's just kind of been floating around. He's been in some main event spots. He was in war games. You know, he's teaming with Sheamus here and whatnot. They battled alongside against the bloodline. So he's been hovering around the top. But did we ever get a solid one-on-one match between Drew McIntyre and Solo Sokoa? Could be a great undercard match for WrestleMania. It would also give Solo Sokoa his first WrestleMania as well. That match makes sense because Solo Sokoa should be the guy that Drew McIntyre targets because Solo Sokoa was the guy who took Drew McIntyre and ruined his chances at Clash of the Castle for the WWE Universal Championship match against Roman Reigns. So we could possibly see that. But as far as Gunther is concerned, then the IC title, which is looking fantastic right now in WWE. 230-plus days for Gunther. Love it. Sheamus was on the bump on YouTube, discussed his rivalry with Gunther, noting that his goal is the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 39. Boom. Book it. It'll be the third and final match in the trilogy, and the last two were great. Can you imagine what they would be given at WrestleMania? And WrestleMania is all about moments. There's a moment right there, and we all love Sheamus, and I think everybody would be over the moon for Sheamus. He says, and I quote, See, we're talking about the Royal Rumble, but all that's been on my mind the past couple of years is the Intercontinental Championship. I've already gone toe-to-toe with Gunther twice. My vision board this year, my goal this year is to take on Gunther one more time and end the trilogy at WrestleMania and become the first ever WWE Ultimate Grand Slam Champion. I've been so close lately with the boys at my side over the past year, but this is still the goal for me. Royal Rumble aside, everything else aside, this is the last piece of my WWE Ultimate Grand Slam Championship that nobody else has ever achieved in this company. That's all I care about, end quote. And you don't think Triple H is going to give him that match? There's no other match that makes sense for Gunther. And the rumors of Gunther and Lesnar at WrestleMania, not saying I don't want to see it, but that's not the time and that's not the place for that to happen. The time and place for Sheamus and Gunther is at WrestleMania. And they've done a great job of keeping them apart so far. And I hope this is the direction for both guys going into Los Angeles. I would have changed just a little bit of something. Instead of the Elimination Chamber being for the United States Championship in Montreal, I would have made the Elimination Chamber a spot for the Intercontinental Championship and the number one contender for Gunther at WrestleMania. 
And I would add Sheamus win the Elimination Chamber and get Gunther through winning the Elimination Chamber. That's the only change I would have made. But as long as we get this match, I'm fine at the end of the day. That's the match you do. He will be a Grand Slam champion and win the IC title if that happens, would be the first time ever. Rey Mysterio. Why wasn't Rey Mysterio in the Royal Rumble? If you guys remember, Rey Mysterio was supposed to come out at number 17. Now, I don't know what had happened when we were watching it. I'm like, okay, coming out at number 17, maybe he gets in there and we get a little back and forth with Dominic. Even Karrion Cross. It, it, it now makes you look back at what they did for Karrion Cross. Because Karrion Cross wrestled Rey Mysterio on the go-home show on Friday night, literally 24 hours before on SmackDown. And you would think that they would do something in the Rumble with Cross and Mysterio to kind of pick up where they left off on Friday night. And that didn't happen. Cross was eliminated in like 90 seconds. And if that was the best that they got for carrying Cross, man, I, I don't know what the fuck they're doing over there. That was awful. That doesn't really bode well for Mr. Cross. So number 17, he never came out. Dominic Mysterio then entered the Royal Rumble at number 18, and he came out wearing Rey Mysterio's mask, implying that he had attacked his father and stole his mask backstage. Mysterio did not make the Royal Rumble because he was legitimately injured. Now, on the latest edition of the, of the Wrestling Observer newsletter or radio, Meltzer talked about this and said, so the Rey Mysterio thing, Rey Mysterio was injured on Friday in Laredo at SmackDown against Cross. He was going to be in the Rumble. That spot was changed. I think they were actually supposed to do some teases with Ray and Dominic to set up a WrestleMania match, but obviously they couldn't do that because Ray was injured. Now, the severity of Ray Mysterio's injury is currently not known. Hopefully it is not serious. I think that would be uh, great if we can get Ray Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. I mean, they've held it off for so long, so much so that they moved both guys to separate brands. They moved Ray to SmackDown and kept Dominic on Raw so that they wouldn't be on the same brand and it would feel stale and boring and, you know, dragged out. They separated both of these guys. For him to get injured now, hopefully it's not that serious because clearly this is the direction that they're going in. I don't know. Hopefully it's okay. Or hopefully he's not hurt too badly. The Elimination Chamber. Main event is set up. You guys know it as Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn in Montreal. Reigns retained the Universal Championship over Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble. Bloodline beat down Owens when Zayn tried to talk to Reigns out of hitting Owens with a steel chair. Reigns insisted that Zayn be the one to do it. Zayn hit Reigns in the back with the chair only for Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa to attack Sami Zayn. This was before Kevin Owens took what had to be two dozen super kicks as he was handcuffed, both hands, to the ring ropes. Meltzer confirmed WWE's plans to do Reigns versus Zayn at next month's PLE, uh, saying this, Reigns versus Zayn is now confirmed. Hasn't been officially announced by WWE, but Meltzer is confirming it for the Elimination Chamber show in Montreal. Talked about this last night on the podcast. Talked about this during the Monday Night Raw post-show. How do we get WWE to transfer the heat that Sami Zayn has right now. It's volcanic. He is so fucking over. What a brilliant storyline, man. This ended with fuck you Roman chance at the end of the Royal Rumble. That is, that is like the epitome of heel heat for Roman Reigns. They're finally, you know, Sami made them a babyface faction, or at least a tweener faction. 
Now they're full-fledged, absolute fucking heels. No doubt about it. But Cody Rhodes winning the Royal Rumble, I mean, it, it almost seemed like an afterthought with Sami Zayn and what happened at the end of that Royal Rumble with that angle. Rhea Ripley and Cody Rhodes were not the talk of the town coming out of the Royal Rumble with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and the Bloodline, and Jey Uso. I don't know how people feel today. People are still lobbying. Oh, it's got to be Sami Zayn. It should be Sami Zayn. It shouldn't be Kevin. It shouldn't be uh, Cody Rhodes against Roman. They've already announced it. There's a graphic made. It's over. It's over. It's not over for WWE, though. It's over for us. Get it out of your heads. It's not going to happen. But how does WWE take the heat right now that is boiling with this bloodline storyline? How do we keep Cody Rhodes safe from being, oh, my God, Cody's being forced. Oh, my God, Cody's the wrong guy. Oh, Sammy's the right guy. You could make a case for either one of them. WWE did not see Sami Zayn in that role, uh, in that role, and he's not going to beat Roman at the Elimination Chamber. Roman is not losing one of the titles to Sami. It's not going to be a double main event of Roman and Sami, then Roman and Cody. No. But how does WWE keep Cody Rhodes away from what could potentially be a disastrous situation with the fans turning on Cody and wanting Sami, 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 and nothing but Sami Zayn? I do think that we will not see Kevin Owens at all until the Elimination Chamber, and rightfully so. He got his ass fucking handed to him. He should not be on television Friday, the Friday after that, or the Friday after that. He will be at the Elimination Chamber. Jay Uso, I have no idea what Jay Uso is going to say on Friday night. I don't. Is he going to want to be out of the bloodline? Is he going to quit the bloodline, walk away from his family? He's already insinuated on social media that he's going to quit the bloodline, or he has quit the bloodline. I don't know what they plan to do. But I feel like Sammy's going to have Roman on the brink of defeat. And Jay Uso is going to be the one to, after weeks of being told, this is where you belong, this is your family, and him kind of fighting with his thoughts comes out at the Elimination Chamber and ends Sammy's chase to beat the Tribal Chief, puts him in his place. That will make Jay Uso the number one guy, the number one villain in this thing. And then this will leave Roman to do whatever he's got to do with Cody Rhodes. So we will transfer. Jay Uso is the catalyst here. Jay Uso will take all this potential disastrous backlash that is on the bubble, is on the surface there, bubbling. People want Sammy. People don't want Cody. Some people want Cody. Some people want Sammy. Jay Uso will be the catalyst to get this to swing from Roman Cody to Usos, Sammy, and Kevin Owens. That's what needs to happen. You can't do Sammy and Roman and then Roman and Cody at WrestleMania. You can't do it. You can't do it. It makes sense. Yes, per storyline, he's the guy. He makes the most sense. Even for a little bit, for him to take the title off Roman, it would be fucking incredible. I, I, I know. I know. But if you do that match at WrestleMania, I mean, you're basically saying this to Cody Rhodes... And you're leaving the Usos and Kevin Owens without a WrestleMania match. Legitimately, that makes sense. Because right now, if you go and stick to the plan, you do Roman and Cody, and then you do Sammy and Kevin versus the Usos, everything, that is what's supposed to be. Don't fuck with the nature of how things should be here going into WrestleMania. It's not going to be good. You don't want to do that. So that's the way I think WWE is going to handle this thing. Jay is going to tease this thing for a couple of weeks. You tease him being out of the bloodline, and then eventually he will come back around and 
he will be the one to take on the team of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens with Jimmy Uso. And he's going to align himself with Roman. It's the only way that it should be. That's the WrestleMania. That, th- this WrestleMania is going to be the downfall of the bloodline. You've already started to see the deterioration of the bloodline. There's already, there's already inner workings of Roman Reigns' attitude problems and his anger problems. Jay seeing that because Jay was in that position. Jay was Sami Zayn two years ago. But WrestleMania Night 2 should be the final downfall of the bloodline. They lose it all on Night 2. This is the WWE finality that we need. The end of the road. The end of their season. It's gone on long enough. They've held the tag team championships for 500 days. Roman's going to be holding that title for 900 days. How much longer do we need? It's all going to come to a boil at the chamber. Charlotte Flair. Apparently, she thinks that she is the glue that held the WrestleMania 35 main event together. This actually came out of this woman's mouth. I don't know why we continue to pander to Charlotte Flair. I I do not know why we continue to give this woman a platform to speak because everything that she says is just utterly ridiculous. Let me get into what she says first before I give my opinion. As you guys know, the WrestleMania main event at 35 was Becky Lynch, should have been Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and it had to be Charlotte Flair for the undisputed WWE Women's Championship. It's where we got Becky two belts. She was on Busted Open Radio who loves and adores Charlotte Flair. Flair reflected on her role in this historic match agreeing with the sentiment that she was the glue in the match and held the match together. She said, yes, I do. You have this hot baby face in Becky Lynch that the fans love. You got this woman, Rousey, who paved the way and showed that woman could main events pay-per-view in UFC. I definitely feel like I made it all come together. I'm, I'm I'm sorry, what? Charlotte made it all come together. Meanwhile, you're leaving out everything that Becky and Rhonda did in the meantime, coming out of the Nia Jax incident where Becky had her nose broken, that Becky was supposed to wrestle Ronda Rousey at the Survivor Series, and that Charlotte Flair took her place because WWE would never allow anybody else to be in that position with Ronda Rousey, who was at the hottest of her WWE runs so far. You mean to tell me that everything Becky and Ronda did away from WWE television on social media was not the catalyst to get all this started? No, but Charlotte Flair made it all come together. I don't see how Charlotte had anything to do with Ronda or Becky at all. It's almost as if Ronda and Becky were the ones playing in the sandbox and they were hogging all the toys and Charlotte Flair went to go cry to her father Daddy, Daddy, I don't have any toys to play with. They're hogging all the toys. She bitched, she moaned, she complained, and got her way. That's exactly what happened. Then she says, yes, the narrative is fun to say that I was 
shoehorned in, or however the inner circle wants to talk about me, but I know what my purpose was. Looking back at it now, I'm okay with that. Charlotte Flair should have never been in the main event of WrestleMania 35. Charlotte Flair was only in the main event of WrestleMania 35 because Charlotte Flair, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this very level-headed, because Charlotte Flair cannot stand to see any other female supersede her in any way in the women's division. She cannot let anybody get so far ahead of her where she is deemed second, third, or in worst case, fourth best. Charlotte has done nothing to add any value to anything she's been a part of. She should have never beaten Oscar at WrestleMania 34. She should have never been in that match at WrestleMania 35. Charlotte should not be a 14, 15, 16-time women's champion already in seven years. It's utterly fucking pathetic. And it's not even that she's a bad wrestler. I don't give a fuck about her wrestling ability at all. We know she is great at what she does. But it's the narrative and the fucking forced agenda of the company who constantly pushes her down everybody's throat to the average viewer as if nobody else exists in the company. I got to hear best this, best that, best ever this, best ever that. It's fucking ridiculous. No, 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 no. She's back now. And is the SmackDown Women's Champion. Please tell me what has changed with Ronda out and Charlotte in as SmackDown Women's Champion. Zero. Zero. The only reason why Charlotte Flair was in the WrestleMania 35 main event is because she politicked to be in the WrestleMania 35 main event because it was clear as fucking day what the main event should have been. And then with her there, you'd think the match would be better off than what it was. It actually ended up being one of the worst WrestleMania main events of all time. Was it historic? Sure. That doesn't mean it was good. Historic is one thing. Good is another. It was not good at all. Charlotte, on Monday, was chosen by Rhea Ripley. I want to make sure I get this in as well, just in case you didn't hear the show last night. Rhea Ripley chose Charlotte Flair for the WrestleMania match in Los Angeles for the SmackDown Women's Championship. On one hand, I get why they did it. I fully understand why Triple H is doing this match at WrestleMania because Triple H, of all people, built Rhea Ripley up on black and gold. He put a lot into Rhea Ripley to make her what you see today. She's owned this shit since he's been taking over WWE creative. I could see why he wanted to do it. Because I guarantee you that man was watching WrestleMania 36 and looked inside that fucking match and then looked at their feud, right? How long ago was that feud? What was it? What was it? Uh, last year? Oh my God, was that fucking terrible. That was awful. Before Rhea Ripley was what we see of her now, the last Charlotte Rhea Ripley feud was one of the absolute worst women's storylines in the history of this company. Triple H was watching what happened at WrestleMania 36, watching what happened with NXT. Charlotte wins the NXT championship. She goes down to NXT. She buries half of that fucking division. You don't think Triple H realized, what the fuck are we doing here? 
What are we doing here? And he's talked about this openly. He's always talked about this, this match between these two coming full circle. Just a storyline waiting to happen, waiting for finality, waiting for a conclusion. That's why he did it. She should have won then. Rhea Ripley should have beat Charlotte Flair. Rhea Ripley should have held on to the NXT Women's Championship. What, what did we need Charlotte in NXT for? She added nothing of value to that division. She buried everybody that she was in the ring with. Then she loses the championship, and guess what? She doesn't even get pinned. She doesn't even get pinned while she lost the championship. EO won the championship. Who the fuck you think they pinned it in your house that year? They pinned Rhea Ripley. Awful. Charlotte adds no value to anything. She refuses to put people over. She doesn't care about the fucking division as a whole. It's only Charlotte Flair that matters. So I get why Triple H did this match at WrestleMania. Plus, Judgment Day and Rhea Ripley have kind of done everything on Monday Night Raw. I could see her going to SmackDown. If Rhea Ripley ended up choosing Bianca Belair, which a lot of people would have preferred, where does that leave Charlotte at WrestleMania? You could do an Asuka, right? You could come full circle with that, have Asuka get her victory back, and Asuka with this new character get the championship. You could do that. But outside Asuka, there is nobody on SmackDown that is even worth a feud with Charlotte. Nobody. There's nothing interesting over there. We don't know where Naomi is. We don't know what Naomi's status in the company is. But WWE made this decision because they have more on Monday for Bianca to do than they do on Friday for Charlotte to do at WrestleMania. So they went with Rhea, who was expendable. Take her off Monday Night Raw. Put her on SmackDown. Put her in the ring with Charlotte at WrestleMania. This leaves Bianca with Becky, Bailey, Asuka, Alexa, possibly some sort of multi-woman match. Maybe it's a triple threat. Maybe it's a fatal four-way. Maybe we get Asuka versus Bianca. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we get Asuka getting that opportunity and getting that championship back at WrestleMania. We have Asuka and Rhea Ripley holding championships at the end of WrestleMania. I understand why they did it. There are several different factors as to why they did it. One of the biggest glaring reasons why they did it, and you're not going to hear this from anybody else, is because... And it goes back to the politicking of Charlotte Flair. She was never supposed to be. She should have never been in the WrestleMania 35 main event, but she was. She's got one main event under her belt, the first ever women's main event. If Rhea chose Bianca and was the Raw Women's Championship match and chose that to be the Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania, that would main event night one, theoretically. That would give Bianca Belair two WrestleMania main events. The only woman to ever do so. Charlotte Flair wants to be the first ever woman to main event two WrestleMania main events. So that's what she's getting this year. So for Rhea to choose Bianca, that wouldn't be enough for Charlotte Flair. Rhea chose Charlotte so Charlotte could get into the main event of WrestleMania and have two WrestleMania main events under her belt. Boom. Politics 101 with Charlotte Flair. She should be a businesswoman. She'll write her own book about politicking. Be a number one bestseller. Give me a fucking break with this shit. Discussing criticisms that she received from the fans, Charlotte said, do you feel like people are constantly poking at me and I never give them anything? I've been so consistent in the public. I never put down other talent to prop myself up. <laughs> oh, man. That's fucking... 
fucking hilarious, man. I never put down other talent to prop myself up. Really now. Really now. You know what? You're a fucking bold-faced liar because when you came out on Monday Night Raw during Raw 30, you failed to mention Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and Bailey, and basically put yourself on a pedestal saying that you are responsible for starting the women's revolution. You don't put all the talent down? You're basically lying to the fucking podcast nation on Busted Open. Sure thing. There's constant Charlotte hate. I don't feel it, and I feel like sometimes that's what they're looking for. I was a part of the WrestleMania 35 main event happening. No matter what they want to say to me, no one will ever take that away from me, how I feel about myself, the performance, and the storyline. It was Becky and Ronda. Charlotte basically had barely anything to do with that. She is neurotic and fucking just out of her mind. She's delusional. Charlotte Flair is delusional. I don't know why this woman is given a platform to spew this fucking bullshit. It's lies. Don't get it. Bray Wyatt. He was interviewed by Fuckface on Fox. Don't even want to say his name. It sickens me to no end. Ahead of the Royal Rumble and the dreadful pitch black match, he was interviewed and discussed several different topics. Discussed Brody Lee. He also believes it would be disrespectful to do so and be a cult leader without Brody Lee around. Explaining why he feels the Fiend character died at WrestleMania 37. For me, the Hawaiian shirt, Colt Bray, he can't be without Brody Lee to me. You know? I can't be that without Brody. It's not the same. It's disrespectful to my best friend. It just can't be without him. But the Fiend died that day in Tampa at WrestleMania to me. And again, the Fiend is not just a goof in a mask like people think. That's just ridiculous. To me, it's so much more. And what you see where all these things come from, you know, or how they sculpt me or how they mold me as a human being. But he died that day to me and it could never be again. It's gone. All you Bray Wyatt fanatics out there, man, the fiend is dead. And if things keep going the current direction, this current version of Bray Wyatt's going to be dead too because after what we saw at the Royal Rumble, if that's the fucking creative direction for Bray Wyatt, I don't want any more to be a part of it at all. I didn't ask to be a part of a fucking rave on Miami Beach. I didn't ask to be a part of Double Dare on Nickelodeon either. All, All we were missing was the green fucking slime at Royal Rumble. Don't know where we're going with this. The botch of Uncle Howdy overshooting L.A. Knight looked ridiculous. The puppets in human form laughing and fucking poking fun at L.A. Knight looked ridiculous. Where are we going with this? We didn't get no reveal of Uncle Howdy. Nothing. And on top of that, L.A. Knight's been fucking killing this shit, and you made him look like a fucking loser as well. I'm glad The Fiend is dead. The Fiend died well before WrestleMania. He died well before that WrestleMania. The Fiend died when he lost to Goldberg. You may not understand that. The Fiend was already 
one foot in the grave before he got to Goldberg because they put him in a hell in a cell. That fucked the entire character up. Oh, you can't put people in a match with Bray Wyatt. It's creative nightmare. I didn't ask, I didn't ask for that match to happen so soon. Nobody asked for him to be put in a hell in a cell in a world title match with Seth Rollins. Who made that fucking decision? So he doesn't win the championship, then they do it in Saudi, and then he holds the championship, does nothing with it, and then loses it to Goldberg because Vince McMahon. Yet I'm supposed to believe Bray Wyatt died at WrestleMania against Randy Orton. Sure thing. WrestleMania 37 was the final day of The Fiend? No. No, it wasn't. He was well on, he was way dead before that. Way dead. He might not want to admit it, but I pray to God that they know what the fuck they're doing. Because after the Royal Rumble, man, I have zero, and I mean zero interest in whatever the fuck they're doing with Bray Wyatt. This creepy, spooky, fucking mythical garbage, this magic and all this other fucking nonsense that we're seeing in 2023. I mean, if you're looking, if you're a Bray Wyatt fan and you're looking at that and watching that shit on Saturday night, how the fuck are you confident going forward with this storyline? Even you have to admit that was shit. All for a fucking soda. Grape soda. Hope it was worth it. Anyway, guys, I have no more. That is all I got for you. And that is all the news on this Tuesday afternoon. I appreciate you guys joining me on the podcast. 2,000 on a Tuesday afternoon. Not bad. Not bad. We got 769 likes on the stream tonight. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I would really appreciate it. Let's try for 1,000. Got almost 2,000 in here, man. Let's try for 1,000 likes on the podcast tonight. Right here on OTS. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Next time you see me, we'll be live tomorrow night with Jesse, AEW Dynamites, as we are on the road to AEW Revolution. And go check out all the other content on the channel. Everything you need is on the homepage. Super chats are open. We're going to get into them in a second. And we got members, man. Memberships are open. VIP club is open to everybody. Hit that join button. Become a channel member right here on OTS. Michelle Moran with a $5 super chat. Forget Rock Roman at WrestleMania 40. It's too late. Who knows that the bloodline will even be together till then. And they probably want to turn Roman face by SummerSlam. I don't want Roman as a baby face, period. Period. Shell John with a eight months. He says, sup, JD. Shell John, thank you. Kobe with an 899. Thanks for entertaining me for eight years now. Royal Rumble 2015 was the first review I watched. I was hooked hooked ever since. I remember my mom telling me off for listening to the language of your rants at 12 years old. Listen, bro, you're 20 years old now, man. That is everyday life language. 
tell your mother, fucking thank you, Ma. Thank you, Kobe. Beer Monkey with a five months. Hi, JD. It's my 40th birthday on Thursday. I'll have a dead man's fingers, rum and coke. Much love, OTS for life. Beer Monkey, happy birthday, my man. And let's see some birthday cake emojis in the chat for Beer Monkey. Thank you for the five months, brother. Jimmy Fingers, 19 with the $10.19. JD. Who was that bang? What was that banger track right before your intro music? I literally just jumped off my roof like Uncle Howdy and missed my Amazon driver by five feet and got up unscathed because I was so jacked up. Uh, that was The Long Road by Andy James. Glad you appreciate the music, Jimmy Fingers. Jordan plays with the $10 Superjack. Cody should lose to Roman at Mania via getting screwed. And the story should become his climb to get back to the title, possibly winning the money in the bank or something. It can't be this easy, as Damian Priest said. Listen, man, I don't know. WWE wants to pull a fucking fast one on us. They would. Jordan plays with a $10 Super Chat. Cody should lose to... I, I, I'm sorry, I just read that. $5 Super Chat also by Jordan Plays. That's why I got confused. He got two Super Chats in a row. I also don't like how we know for a fact that Sammy doesn't beat Roman at the Chamber based on the WrestleMania poster. Why have the match? Because it's going to set up Sammy's WrestleMania match with the Usos teaming with Kevin Owens. That's why. Raging Girl Gamer with 28 months. Oh, my goodness. Keep those workouts up, man. So inspiring. I'm trying to exercise and stop drinking, and you got me wanting to quit and do better. Never give up. That's what it's all about, Rage. If I do anything on this show to inspire anybody, man, that's uh, worth more than anything. Appreciate you. Colin Hutton with a $20 Super Chat. JD, happy early birthday. I hope you enjoy the Alter Bridge concert. Oh, I will. Drinks are on me. Can you save me a spot in the 41 Club? I'm going to be five months late. Cheers. I'll save you a spot, bro. We're drinking all fashions. Jay Best with a 199. If I was a female, I'd have all your babies. Thank you, Jay Best. It's quite the bizarre comment, but thank you for the 199. Zach Smith with a 2799 super chat. I just reached out over DMs. Just to share the positive impact that OTS has had on my life over the past seven years. I know you're a busy guy, so I don't feel any obligation, but wanted to share how much power this show truly has. Cheers. And then Zach becomes a new member. Zach, I did see your DM, and I plan on getting back to you this evening, brother. 
I appreciate you, man. Thank you so very much. Miggy Saito with 125 in his country's currency. Let's be honest, Vince would choose Cody and Roman than Sammy. Of course. Of course. Vince doesn't see Sammy as a WWE champion, man. It ends with Vince. If you don't think Vince is having some sort of creative suggestions on this show, you're blind. DGK Dog with a 499 Super Chat. I hope whatever Becky and Bailey do at WrestleMania, they kill it. I also like what they're doing on social media as well. I think what they're doing on social media is rather lame. So they're turning this into Bailey wants Seth Rollins? Or teasing Becky with Seth? Who's writing this shit, Vince? Sounds like a Vince McMahon storyline. I do not believe that this is Triple H writing at all. Ricardo Linnell with a 499. If you like this current Bray Wyatt story, you probably play Magic the Gathering and have a pube mustache. Bro, I can honestly say I've never played Magic the Gathering in my entire life. Thank you, Ricardo. JLD with six months. Hey, bro, Kota Ibushi is officially a free agent. Do you have any thoughts on where he ends up? Keep up the awesome work, brother. OTS for life. Uh, I do think Cody Bushi ends up in AEW. It's only a matter of time. I do know he was announced for spring break. Joey Janela's spring break, WrestleMania weekend. That is going to be the breakout party for Kota Ibushi. He will be at the Forbidden Door. That is my prediction. Mel's Matt Chat. 21 months. Hey, JD, please send some love to my Latino heat, Edgar Alvarez. I love you so much. You mean everything to me, and you're sexy and hot. Thank you, Mel. I appreciate that, Mel. 21 months. Thank you for, 20, for 21 months. Mr. Zaki Boy with a $5 super chat. What's worse? Lightning... Oh, not lightly. What's worse, listening to Denise Salcedo or listening to Becky Lynch when she's reciting Gollum from Lord of the Rings? Oh, my God, Cody! Cody, can I ask you a question? Cody! I plead the fifth. Ricardo with a 499 throwing up my ones for all the VIPs. Love you, Jay. The OTS brings me a lot of joy and laughter in my good and bad times. Ricardo, happy to hear it, brother. The script keeper with a $5 super chat. Hey, Jay, I'm praying 
for you with the anniversary of your grandpa's passing. And happy early birthday. I'll be 41 in March. OTS for life. Thank you, Script Keeper. Thank you for being here, brother. Paul Jackson with a $10 super chat. Fans are already starting to lose interest in Rock vs. Roman. WWE cannot possibly drag this out another year. If it does happen at Mania 40, does it really need to be for a championship? No. It doesn't, but... The whole tribal chief. He is the tribal chief because he's the champion. You're not going to do that this year when he's at the height of where he needs to be? Kind of defeats the purpose, in my opinion. Linda Carter with a $5 super chat. I wish WWE would let Sonya Deville flourish or let her go to AEW. It sucks to see her not in a major role this far in her career. Bro, Sonya is very good. Sonya was very good in the pandemic era with Mandy Rose. She was doing some great work there. So was Mandy. While they were feuding with Otis or uh, all over that Otis situation. That was some great stuff. Now she just seems like an afterthought. An AWC legend with a 449 Super Chat. Beyond the Script is still chatting about you on Twitter, JD, begging for you to unblock him and speak like men. Fuck off. He's still tweeting people that have notoriously fucking said despicable and disgusting and vile things about me, yet he wants me to unblock him. No. Absolutely not. Anyway, guys, we're about to get out of here. I appreciate you hanging out with me for a couple hours on your Tuesday afternoons, man. Jesse's going to have an AEW Dark Watch Along in about 12 minutes. Maybe you guys guys should go over there and hang out with him. It is AEW Dark, but, uh, you know, the content content realm is very thin here in the IWC. Go hang out with him anyway, man. I'm hearing he's got uh, some Wagyu beef. Bro, make me some Wagyu beef tacos, bro. That's what I'm requesting next time I come see you. Okay? Wagyu beef tacos. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. I would really appreciate it. Thousand likes. If we could get to a thousand likes, I would appreciate it. I I saw you, clown. I saw you were here the whole time, clown. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Thank you to my VIPs. Thank you to all the people that have re-upped their subscriptions. You guys got an inside look. First sneak peek of my mother's basement coming soon. You guys got that right now in the community section, the VIP section on YouTube. And go check out all the other content on the channel. All up there for you. 
Royal Rumble review and last night's Monday Night Raw review is all on the homepage for you. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I will see you live tomorrow night. Jesse and I will be live with AEW Dynamite right here on OTS. Until then, enjoy your Tuesdays. And I'll see you tomorrow night live from the OTS venue right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.